grace period. You got an extra minute or two grace period today. That's pretty good. Don't tell Lynn. All right. Let me. Everybody doing well this morning? It's nice outside. I hear it's going to get windy. Like real windy. What was it, 60, 70 mile an hour winds or something this afternoon? So hunker down, as they say. All right. Uh, I think Pastor's still away. I'm not sure if he's still in Florida or if he's at the church in South Carolina this weekend. Greenville, I'm a little upset that he didn't take me. I love South Carolina. I'll be addressing that with him later. So they asked if I would do the combined, and as always, just enjoy that. So we're going to be back in 1 John chapter 5. Getting near to finish up our series in 1 John, and a couple more lessons to go on that. I'll tell you what, let's open up in prayer and then we'll get started in our lesson this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, it's just so great to be back in your house this morning amongst uh, this church family, amongst people that uh, love you and love each other, and you can just sense the, um, the love you know, when, you, when you just enter this place, and the fellowship, and uh, that the fact that you know they we care for each other and we want to pray for each other and while we didn't take time this morning, Lord, for prayer requests, I know of several specific incidences that uh, that uh, we need to lift up to you and you're aware of them, Lord, and we just ask that you uh, take care of those as as you will. We know that your will is perfect. Uh, we know that your will. Uh, will be done as you see fit, and you just give us the patience and understanding to to uh, be still and and see your work um, as it is done, and just uh, let your will be glorified through all that you do. Lord, as uh, pastors away from us this morning uh, preaching, we just ask that you be with him and that uh, he would be a blessing to that church and to those people. And for Brother Lynn, as he prepares now for our message later, we just ask that you be with him and uh, give him uh, what he needs to, uh, t- to have as far as last-minute preparations. And even now, start to prepare uh, this place for uh, response and uh, to his word and to your word and that uh, it would be a blessing to all that is here. Lord, as we do a uh, open up your word for Sunday school this morning, we just ask that you again be present. And there'll be something here that we can find some assurance that we can leave here a little, uh, maybe a little more confident about our salvation and that, that uh, we can grow closer to you uh, through this lesson. We pray all this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. All right, again, we're in 1 John chapter 5. We'll start reading down in verse 6. Now, John first starts off, he said, this is he. He's referring to 
Jesus uh, from verse 5. We taught uh, verses 1 through 5 last week in, in Sunday school, but he, he starts off verse 6. This is he, Jesus, that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Anybody ever testified as a witness or been asked to recollect a, an event as a witness? Maybe um, you were driving down 14th and a couple of cars may have crashed in front of you and you stopped. And when the police showed up, they asked you what happened. Anybody ever had that occur to them? Of course, in my previous life. Had did that quite a bit, where I had to interview people often for witnessing. I remember one incident in particular. This would have been probably 20, man, probably about 20 years ago, 21 years ago. I worked a pretty bad wreck down at Pining Grand, where a young lady uh, passed in, and they called me as one of the uh, fatality accident guys to come work it so we really wanted to look at a lot of different things at the scene and we wanted to know what position she was laying in when after the uh, accident occurred so I talked to four different police officers who showed up there and every single one of those police officers had her laying a different direction These are police officers. These are guys who are trained to observe, right? And we talked to other people who you would go to the scene, and of course people gather around at those things. Has any, did anybody see what happened? Hands would raise. And I'd go over to them, what happened? I was walking down the street, and I heard this crash, and I looked over, and then I saw, well, no, you didn't see what happened then. People think they witness things when they really don't. They would let... There's a uh, human nature sometimes at those deals to want to be involved, unfortunately. Um, so you got to, when it comes to witnessing, it's important. Uh, but on one aspect of it, a witness, a, a human witness, that's like the worst kind of evidence that we can have at a scene. It's the worst kind because they're all over the place, all over the place. So we always looked for other ways to verify what the truth was. So keep that in your 
mind a little bit as we progress this morning, and I want to go to another aspect in your, in your mind. Think back to that moment, that day and that moment that you were saved. Whether it was in a church like this, or smaller, or larger, or a camp. Maybe it was in your home, or your bedroom, or at grandma's house, or just think back to that specific moment. And I would say for all of us that are saved here, you can probably think to that specific moment. I can remember that specific moment in children's church at Northeast Baptist Church where I did that. I can tell you who was teaching the class. Think back to that moment and that tugging that was in your heart at that moment that said, I need to do this now. That, that Holy Spirit was working in your heart and said to you, react. React, take a step and accept Christ. And you had to do something. Whether it was in a congregation like this and you were asked to come forward, and the Holy Spirit said, move from that place, right? Which um, can be challenging. You know, we, we, we get comfortable just right where we're at. And you gotta, he's got to, the Holy Spirit's working in you. Move from that place and respond to me. Or whether you were at home and whether you were watching a, something on TV that presented the gospel. Or you were talking maybe... I remember having many a conversation with my grandmother and whether it was a situation like that and the Holy Spirit was working on you and he said, react and pray and accept me. You understand your condition as a sinner, accept Christ as that. You, the Holy Spirit was working at you. He was witnessing to you at that moment saying, do this, respond to this. And you did. And you did. If you're saved here today, then you did. You reacted in some way to that, to that uh, tugging. You can probably remember the feeling afterwards, whether it was a couple of days, if you were a kid, you know, I like, as often said, you know, it's not like I quit smoking at that point. I was about seven, never had smoked. So it wasn't a... What an issue with me in that regard. But maybe you were a little older in life and things needed to change in that regard. And you remember that immediate change. You began reading Scripture and enjoying it, soaking it up. And for the first time, even as you read through the Bible, it began to speak to you in a different way. You began to kind of understand it. You'd read passages where before you're like, what's that mean? And now you read it, and through the Holy Spirit, you're, you're beginning to kind of grasp what God's trying to tell us. And you began to believe what was in here. You started coming to church more because you enjoy it. You wanted to be in the house of God. You wanted to hear preaching. I mean... Who would uh, take their spare time to listen to a podcast of preaching, right? I do that often. 
That's what I want to listen to. I don't turn on music. I, don't, I mean, I don't, you know, or listen, very seldom do I listen to audio books unless it's something to do with study or scripture. But that's the way I want to spend my time. I want to learn more. I want to dive into it. And I want to learn what truth, what God has for me. Now compare that. John is writing this letter to a church of believers. They too had similar experiences like you in your mind just thought of. They too uh, were given the gospel. And through the, through the Holy Spirit convicting them and forcing them, or not forcing them, but convicting them to the point of having to take a reactive position, you know, pray, kneel, respond. They did that. These are believers that John is writing to. But as we talked about, this church had recently experienced a group of its membership break away. They got caught up in um, heretical teachings about the gospel. Within a few decades after Christ's death, and the founding of the church, already heretical teachings are infiltrating the church. And this is confusing some of the believers within the church. They start questioning their own salvation, which, as we've taught through this book, knowing and having that assurance of salvation and what to look for and what to kind of recognize as that assurance is, is very important. You don't want to live questioning your salvation all the time. No, it's, it's a one and done deal. It was, if it was genuine, it was genuine. You don't have to worry about it no more. But as this church, and like others, I think, well, when they see there were people involved in that church that they considered family. And all of a sudden they leave. And they're like, what? I thought they were part of us. I don't know. I mean, we, we had the little potluck thing on Sunday after church. And, and, you know, we would talk. And, you know, it seemed, they seemed everything, what happened? And then they start talking and saying, well, here's why we're leaving is because we, we've heard this, this, and this. And that makes sense. You too need to, you're, you might be wrong. You need to come with us. And there's just this back and forth, and they start questioning their own salvation. So John needs to write this letter to them to convince them, no, you're good. Your salvation is, if, if you're uh, obeying um, the law, when I talk about the law, we're talking about obedience to Christ's teachings. If you're obeying what Christ taught us, if you're loving the brethren, then you're you're good. Your salvation is real. Have comfort in that. And John's continuing that even now in the verses that we read this morning. One of the persons that was teaching some of the heresy back then in, from this church was somebody called uh, Serenthus. 
Now, he was kind of a Gnostic enemy of John's. And he was teaching specifically that the divine Christ entered the man, Jesus, at his baptism and then left before his death. Now, you got to look at what he's saying. He's saying that the man Christ, when he was born, wasn't divine, that he wasn't God at that point, that God came upon him at his baptism. Remember the Holy Spirit coming down upon him and then left prior to his death, meaning the man that actually died, it was just a man that it wasn't God. It's a heretical teaching. But people within the church began to kind of agree to this and see, um, see to this, and they began to kind of be swayed by those teachings. And they left the church because of it. Now, John's going to counter that specific teaching today for us in these few verses. First, in verse 6, he says, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. He's going to give us several witnesses to who Christ really was. And the first one, the first witness is the water. You want, uh, there's a lot of teachings out there on, on this point in 1 John. Um, and some have many different thoughts as to what that water is referring to. Could it be the water of his new birth? Mm-hmm, maybe. Um, some take this as referring to the water which flowed out of even Christ's side after the Roman spear was thrust into his side on the cross. The water and the blood. Now, when we're involved in interpretation, there's a few givens that, that uh, we always uh, accept. And the first one that we accept is we believe that this book is inspired Word of God, right? Amen. I mean, we begin with that assumption and that, that, that knowledge. This is inspired of God. And every word that's in here is put in here for a reason. So I take that and then I looked at these verses and I read some of the material and I took it to and some of the stuff that, that I got and then assuming that this is inspired, so I don't need to read into it more than I, than I need to. If you look in verse 6, he said, This is he that came by water and blood. And then notice in verse 8, And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. So it's the same order, water, blood, water, blood. I don't think that's a coincidence. So if it was taking one of the arguments that it was the, at the point the Roman put the spear in his side and water came, well, he had already been dead at that point, right? So it was blood and water. So I agree with a lot of the commentators that I read that the water referred to here is his baptism. 
But that's the water John's referring to. Remember this also. John was a witness of those events. He was there. John's writing this epistle for us. And John was present. He witnessed these events. So it would, that would have stuck in his head. I mean, remember that event? Being baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit descending as a dove and then God speaking out in a voice. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He, John would have remembered that. So when he says the water testifies to who Jesus was and that Jesus was God. John's remembering that event. Jesus was a man, but he was also fully God. Now, the heretical Gnostic teaching that he was spirit only, that was another teaching going on during this time that uh, they, they said he wasn't even, he wasn't a man at all. He was just spirit. Like that one we can just toss away because spirits don't go underwater and back up and, you know, everybody would have seen the disturbance in the, in the river, right? He was a physical being. So John is saying first witness as to who Jesus was, was the water. He was God. He was divine. And then when Jesus was baptized, God's voice approved of his upcoming ministry by saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He's being tasked with an assignment and he's going to go preach and he's going to go perform miracles and he's going to end up dying, not for any reason of his, right? But because of all of us, because of sin. The second witness John refers to in verse 6, he says, this is he that came by water and blood. Water and blood. This refers, I think, obviously to the death of Jesus. John points here, is that Jesus Christ was this the one person. He was fully God. He wasn't a spirit. When he was beaten on that cross, he bled like any man, right? And he was fully man. The same one who was baptized and the one who died on Calvary, they were not two separate persons, as even some teach, that they were two separate individuals. No, the person that was baptized and that was crucified was Jesus, and he was God. Remember, John was present again. Would have, would have seen this. He would, he would have recognized this is the same individual. The people who were teaching that it wasn't didn't even witness this. It's like the person who was walking down the street and heard what happened and then tells you that they saw it. They didn't witness it. John's like, I witnessed these events. I can tell you, this is what I saw. They testify as to who he was. The Christ Spirit did not come upon Jesus and then leave before his death. That's not what occurred. And Serenthus was teaching this, and people were swayed by it. So we have two witnesses that John was telling us about. Water 
the blood. And then he says, lastly, the last witness was verse 6. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. So the last witness we have that John's talking about here is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies as to who he was. The Holy Spirit bore witness to Christ's deity throughout the Old Testament prophets. Include John the Baptist in that. Christ's miracles, the resurrection, the ascension, and the pouring out of spiritual gifts on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's working in people. The Holy Spirit worked in each individual that wrote Scripture. Remember, inspired writings. And Holy Spirit was working in those individuals as they penned these words on paper. That same Holy Spirit is the one that was working with you on that day that you took the action, some type of action, some type of step to be saved, right? That same Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit's the one as you're reading your scripture that's helping you understand what the Bible, what God has for you specifically in, in His Word. So He's witnessing as to who Christ really was constantly, that He was God. Peter in 2 Peter 1.21 says this, For the prophecy came not in old time, by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So John kind of gives us these, these witnesses. He's saying the, the water, the blood, the Holy Spirit, they all testify as to who Christ was and to his deity, that he was God. Don't get caught up in these other gospels that are being preached. Have assurance in the one that was originally taught to you, that moved you from your place, that moved you to prayer, to accept Christ. That the whole, that same Holy Spirit that testifies is the same one that moved you when you accepted Him. Concentrate on that. You can have assurance from that. And in verse 7, he says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. A lot of writings out there that say, well, the Bible never actually says that the Trinity is an is a actual doctrine. Did you just read that last verse? That's pretty clear to me, right? The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. They're the same. And they testify as to who Christ was. Verse 8, And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. Re rehashing what he said in verse 6. And these three agree. All of these pieces fit together. Unlike here where I can talk to a bunch of witnesses and they tell me different things. Well, these witnesses, their, their stories match. 
It all fits together. There's no, there's no question about it. And, and verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, well, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. When I mentioned earlier about that moment when you were saved and the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and you took and you prayed that prayer, and you accepted Christ as your Savior, that was God talking to you. And when you read Scripture, that's God talking to you, right? And I'll add one other piece to this. I witness God being real by being a part of His church and seeing God work in other saved people's lives. That tells me God's real. When I see other individuals and I see how they're moved by the hurt or the pain of another church member and they, they're praying for each other. That's God. When we see a member struggling and we uh, are able to help them financially through our church, that's God working. So that's an additional witness that we that, that gives us assurance of our of our salvation, of as a, especially as a um, as a congregation. Even it gives us an assurance of our faith. Remember what John say: one of the proofs of assurance of salvation, loving your brethren. And when we see that occurring amongst other Christians, well, and when I feel that tug even in my heart from time to time to to uh, serve somebody through some type of assistance or prayer. That's God working, right? And we all believe that, don't we? Well, the problem here that John was facing and that happens to us, unfortunately, is there's access to so much information. And then we listen to a podcast. I found this new podcast. Some preacher up in um, Northeast or whatever, and I was listening to it. And, you know, he made this one point. I had never thought about that. And I went to the Bible, and, you know, I, he, the point he made, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess that's possible. And now the seed's planted. And doubt starts creeping into your faith. Or you're watching TV and you go to a Christian TV channel. Have you found those? They're there. I don't think they're very Christian sometimes, but they're there. And maybe uh, you're, oh, you know, circumstances seem to fall in line sometimes. You're at home on a Sunday morning, you're sick, and the Internet's down. You can't get to Facebook. So you turn on the TV, and the only thing on is a church down in Houston. <laughs> and you're like, well, I guess I'm watching this. Because I want to I uh, hear from God, what's He got for me today? I miss being in His house. I can't watch Central because the Internet's down. I guess all this will be better than nothing. And something is said that sows a seed of doubt in your head about what the true gospel is. 
What John is saying is that's no different than what this church was facing when John wrote this letter to them. He's saying in verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, we can be swayed by the witness of men to and fro, right? And there is no shortage of opinions on TV right now, right? Where do you go for actual just somebody just telling you the news nowadays without their commentary about it? There's no such thing anymore. Finishing that verse, the witness of God is greater. So when you are exposed to something, maybe a book that you're, you're reading, that the title makes sense, you're going through a tough time, and, and you see a book, you're down in the city, or you're on Amazon, and you see this book pop up, and it, the title specifically addresses what you, maybe you're facing at this time. And you, you pick it up, you're like, you know what, I need this. this, this is what I need. And then you read it, and it's false doctrine. And instead of recognizing it for what it is and putting it aside, it sows some doubt in you. And before you know it, you're out of church or you're researching this more. Now, before we go any further on that point, remember, he's writing to Christians. If your salvation is real, you get caught up in something like that, you're still saved. You're just away from God and you need to fix that. But if your salvation isn't real, then you risk getting further away and then it takes even a, a bigger leap to get to where you need to be. We can get swayed all around by the words of men. And there's some folks that sound very convincing um, and have a lot of lights shining on them and have a lot of followers, but they teach heresy. Remember what John said earlier in this book about, about this, uh, this letter about that? If they're teaching a wrong gospel, what are they? Part, they're part of, they're lying to you. And if they're lying to you, then they're a, a teaching what Satan wants them to teach. And if they're teaching what Satan wants them to teach, then they are a form of antichrist, right? Amen. That's, John's telling us that. I had a conversation with somebody just this week kind of on that topic. and uh, He's a, a deacon at another Baptist church. And we were kind of having the conversation of, well, and he was saying, well, you know, doctrine, people have different opinions when it comes to doctrine. And I said, well, yeah, that's true. But when it comes to doctrine, there really is only one true doctrine. A bunch of people can have different opinions, but there's only one true doctrine. And he kind of paused a second. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. People get swayed and they want to, you know, kind of have different opinions and then they get to debating and then they get to reading or, and then they get to listening instead of getting their truth from Scripture. As a saved individual, when you open this book and the Holy Spirit talks to you, you're getting truth. 
when you're in God's house and you hear preaching from his pulpit, from men of God who are close to God and God works through them on what to say, you're getting truth. Don't get caught up in when you leave here or and you hear somebody say something different and it pulls you away from that truth. Lean on the fact that the truth that moved you to salvation, the Holy Spirit, God, and Christ, that's truth. That's God talking to you. And the other thing that you're kind of debating on is what some man said. I mean, what's the balance of credibility there, right? You know, we look for the approval of men. We, somebody says something and we want to kind of, well, if I, kind of, if, I, if I resist this, then, you know, I may not, they might look down on me or something. So what, Right? So what? And John's given that warning to this church. He says, don't get caught up in these folks that are even leaving the church. I hate to even uh, mention this as a possibility, but it's a possibility. You may come to church one day and hear from somebody, maybe within this building, and somebody says something to you. is like, you know, I was reading a book the other day, and it said this, this, and this, and that was pretty intriguing. And you know that it's false. That's what happened in this church. Do we think that we're not subject to the same thing? We could be. Satan loves to attack churches from within. So concentrate on what John is telling us is stay focused on him. Stay focused on the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he has for you. Lean on that, that point that he moved you to salvation and trust in God, go back to that point from time to time and remember that feeling. I think once we get further away from it, we forget what that felt like. And the tugging and the, 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 the love, and the, it just it moved you to a point to accept Him. Go back to that point when you start doubting. And then rest in the fact that that was truth. That was God talking to you. And when you're reading his scripture, each word, each verse, and you sense something from it, that's God talking to you. Rest on that. Don't get caught up in this, the, how men are interpreting this or that. So as we finish up chapter 5, we're going to kind of continue that. And John's he's repeated several aspects to this, but he's really given us a way to kind of have assurance and know that what we believe is truth. You have the true gospel. You were exposed to the true gospel. Rest and, and be assured with that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for our uh, time during the, the Sunday school time. I hope that the lesson just gave us, you know, uh, some reassurance. Of course, this lesson, even as John was writing this letter, he's writing to Christians. This is more of a, of a lesson to Christians. Um, but if there happens to be somebody here today that doesn't know you, 
Hopefully, you know, we pray that the Holy Spirit begins to work in their hearts. They are in the right place today, Lord. They're in a church. They're in your house of people that love you, that truth is being preached from your word. We pray that the Holy Spirit just works in their heart, begins working in their heart now. And that they will accept that, that they will make that decision today. And then when they make that decision, that they will rest assured that they made the right decision, that they made a decision based off truth and testimony from you and from God himself, from Christ himself. And as we prepare for worship time, we just pray that, again, you will uh, continue talking to us, continue working in our heart, that, that we may take a step toward growing closer to you. Again, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.